0: Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at CelebrationChurchLive.com.
1: We are wrapping up this morning um, our Flip the Script series. We've been tracking along. This is our sixth week uh, in this Um, And just really looking at the place that a lot of times we get into a flow and we feel like life has a little bit of a script. Like we know what's coming next. And so that this one thing leads to another. We're just kind of used to that. And we see certain patterns in our lives and patterns in the world. But when Jesus gets interjected, when Jesus gets on the scene, he flips the script all the time. And of course, the resurrection was the greatest flip the script moment ever. We all understand that that you know that as as a body is placed in that grave, um, those those bodies stay there. But Jesus flipped the script on that, and he came out of it. And with that, gave us the hope of eternal life, and he gave us everything we need for life and godliness in that space. And so we've just been enjoying that and looking at all of the flip the script moments. And I think it's perfect that we are wrapping up. Flip the script on Mother's Day because let's be honest, let's be honest, in a real practical everyday way, um, the queens of flipping the script are moms. Moms are just super good at it. You've lived it. You've known it. You've seen it in your own household. You have flashbacks to some of these moments as a kid, and if you have forgotten what this looks like, well, then Cutie and I are going to kind of remind you of some of these scenarios. And so, and, and in this Little little moment we're about to have. Uh, she's gonna she's gonna play the role of mom. I think she'll do a pretty good job of it. And, and I'm gonna get all my acting skills together as as I possibly can. And I'm gonna play the role of child. Okay. <laughs> and so I, I know it's a stretch. I'm gonna try to be childish here. Uh, I, I know that uh, this is gonna be a surprise for you, dear. So, uh, but this really will be me. Okay. It really will be me over here. And so, but it's we'll, really gonna be it's you? really going to be
0: me. Okay. Let's so go. are you ready? Uh, mm, I'm going to try my hardest. All right. Okay. This one, this one, this one's going to be tough, but I'm going to do this like nowadays. Uh, you need to clean up your clothes on your side of the bed. What? We're supposed to be
1: doing the kids. This is getting too real. Clean up my room, clean up my room, mom, oh, no. Okay, can, 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 I, can I watch one more episode? Can I watch one more episode, mom, please? Can I watch Child, one more we
0: episode? we have to have one more episode. <laughs>
1: <sighs> mom, there is nothing to eat in this house. There is, there is nothing, there's nothing to eat in this house.
0: Don't make me give you something to eat.
1: Life's just not fair. You're not fair. Nothing is fair. You're not treating me fair. It just isn't fair.
0: You know what isn't fair? What carrying you did to my hits. That isn't fair. <laughs> <laughs> Us moms, we're pretty good at flipping the script on an argument. But if we will trust God, He will flip the script on absolutely everything.
1: And that is what really the story of Jesus is about. Because um, when we look at at religion as a whole, when people begin to have an idea that maybe there's a God out there, they immediately begin to tie this idea of God with God being angry, God being distant. God being condemning and that then a religious system begins to be built about around whatever God it is because since God is distant and he's angry and he is and he's condemning, well then here's our religious system to be able to appease this angry God, to be able to to make things right, and you do this, and you sacrifice this, and you keep these laws, and you do all of these different things, and maybe, just maybe, you'll get a little God wink, and a little blessing, and, and come into your life, and then God is not like that at all, and Jesus came to prove that God is not that way. Jesus came to show us And in fact, that's the reason he came into the world. And most everybody can quote off the top of their head, John 3.16. But John 3.17, the very next verse tells us this, that God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. All of a sudden, all of the religious narrative, all of the religious script got flipped. Because Jesus doesn't show up to condemn us. Jesus shows up to save us. He began to, to show us that, that God loves us and God demonstrates his love for us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This internal narrative, this internal dialogue about who God is and what he's done, that God wanted to completely flip that and do that by sending his son. But to send his son, Well, then, as Father God needed to send a son, then he needed a mom. And he needed to to approach a mom. And the scriptures say that this was going to be a a virgin mother and to have a miraculous birth. And, And this mom was going to have to be willingly a part of this God sending his son, not to condemn us, but to save us.
0: In Luke 1, 26 through 29, it says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at the words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. You see there, Mary is already acting like a mom. When one of the kids comes up and says something like, Greetings, you who are highly favored. Mommy, you sure look pretty today. Yeah, I'm already on guard. What did you do? I just remembered that you are the best mom in the whole world. What do you want? That greeting makes any mom greatly troubled at those words and wondering what kind of greeting this might be. And depending on the age of your child, we're probably grabbing our wallet. Because he coming after your dollar bills. You know what I'm talking about? I know in our house that's what happens. They don't go after dad's dollar bills because he ain't got none. He coming after mine. 'Cause I'm a cash mama.
1: Yeah, it's true. It's the truth. And so, yeah, just right from the bat, we see Mary uh, you know, act like a mom. What what's going on with this? And and so and she in over the next few verses investigates as this angel is telling about what God is wanting to do in the earth, something incredibly special and involve her and, and that the the Holy Spirit was gonna come and overshadow her and she was gonna become miraculously. Uh, pregnant and conceived the the savior of the world and the, the Messiah and so there's this dialogue that goes back and forth and then in verse 38 says this, and Mary said behold I am the servant of the Lord let it be to me according to your word and the angel departed from her see what we don't understand in our day and age in our culture is that back in that moment for this betrothed, engaged young lady who's not been married yet, she's a virgin, to all of a sudden show up pregnant isn't just a problem for Joseph. It's not just something that raises an eyebrow around town. Under the Jewish law, in the Levitical law, that here she was now, this person who had stepped outside of the law was scandalous, and that there were significant repercussions there, if she had brought, if she had brought shame on her family and her parents, her parents could, by Levitical law, take her out in in the streets and stone her and kill her, and that would be a fair and right judgment. Joseph could have pushed the issue and said that she had been this scandalous woman and do this, and her saying, "Okay, you have this plan for me to conceive." But this is me putting my life on the line. From the very beginning, she understood and she was trusting God like no other. And when she said, yes, let it me to be according to your word, she was sitting there and she was putting her life on the line. She was saying, I would rather do it your way than try to preserve my own life. And that echoes exactly where Jesus, her son, would find himself in the garden. There, as he is praying on the, the night in which he was betrayed, and he is sitting there, and his sweat is like great drops of blood, and he says, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. That, his, that was his, his earthly mother's uh, heart and motive, that not only was our heavenly Father fully in this, but, but even Jesus' earthly mother, Mary, was fully Committed into this and yes, they're in that in the beginning of that plan That there the angel of the Lord the heart of God spoke to a mom That now the, the heart of God isn't silent today
0: God's still speaking to moms He's to moms with difficult children. He's saying to us. Don't give up Don't stop keep going Mary had her difficult days But she was handpicked. She can't deny it. She was handpicked to raise Jesus. We were handpicked. You were handpicked to raise your child. I was handpicked to raise my children. I know what they're going to do two steps before they do it because I did it. And they never even know it. Don't you do that. What? How do you know? Because I did it. I know what you're about to do because your daddy did it. (laughs) Now stop it. Yeah, you go ahead and do that one because I did it. Go ahead. (laughs) We know it. We know it. No one is more anointed to do your job than you are. Don't question it. Don't think you're not able. Don't think that you aren't the one because you are. You are. When Jesus was 12, he got, he got, accidentally left behind on the trip to Jerusalem for Passover. Mary and Joseph thought he was with the group. They thought he was with the group. So they traveled a day without him. A day without him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts sitting, oh, let me tell you where this is at, Luke 2, 46 through 48. I'm so excited I just jumped right through that. They found him sitting in the temple court, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, everybody has said that in this room. Why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. I'm going to tell you, if I had left my son for a day and I had to turn around and travel for a day and then I found him, I'm going to be throwing up at that point. And I'm going to be jerking him up and busting his butt. (laughs) Even if it was Jesus. And then I'd probably shake my head and go, Oh, sorry, Jesus. (laughs) Forgive me. I do not know what I have done. And he said, why were you searching for me? Because you were gone for a day. Didn't you know? I had to be about my father's house. But they did not understand. What he was saying to them. And he went down to to the Nazareth with them and he was obedient to them. But his father treasured all these things in. Wait. His mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Mary had her moments too. Mary had her mom moments too. Now, when, oh, I'm about to tell y'all something. It does not leave this room. <laughs> we do not judge each other. There's a hey, camera. No, I, then I ain't telling. Now, when I was pregnant with Colin, and she is now nine, we were still at the movie theater having church. So that meant that our days are, well, not mine, but everybody else is in the house. Their Sunday started early. We started Early and so at our house, it started on Saturday night, and Pastor Brandon would go around asking some of the older kids if they were going to go with him in the morning. And little Carson Valor Clark, at the time, was little. Now he's the tallest. Um, he is so little. And uh, shout out to you, Carson. Um, and he said that he was going to go with his dad. Now, I'm going to tell you, I was rather with child like a whole lot. And our house is two stories. So I did not climb the stairs if I did not have to. Because halfway up, I had to stop and take a break because I couldn't breathe and had to catch my breath. And so Sunday morning comes, I get up, I get myself ready. Nobody's there because that was the report from the night before. I leave and go to church. I'm, we're at the movie theater. I don't know if anybody's been there in a while, but it is a rather large building. Not to see everybody at first is not odd. All of a sudden, somebody if we're in the church, on the team, comes up to me with their phone and says, I have a phone call for you. And I'm like, on your phone? Yes. I take it. Hello? Yes? Mommy, you left me at home. <laughs> who is this? <laughs> and who is your mom? <laughs> I said, come again. Mom, you left me at home. I had left Carson Clark at home. He was eight. I don't know if any of you know this, but this is against the law. <laughs> and I sat there. Now, the best part about this is that Lauren Ramirez lived in a little house in our backyard. Because so we have a little house back there. And she couldn't find a shoe that morning. It was Jesus, he hid it. <laughs> and Carson went, went through the house looking for us, crying, went to the little house, knocked on Lauren's door. Jojo was still there looking for her shoe. Praise the Lord. And so she, she gets on the phone and she says, I'm here and I'm going to bring him, but you left him. <laughs> <laughs> From, I don't know, Do any of y'all, have y'all ever seen Lauren drive? <laughs> if you actually saw her, that is a good day. The girl can drive. She can drive. Yeah, he is. The 72 hours that it took her to get to the church, I paced the foyer, waiting. I understand what Mary is saying here, that it took her however long to get back to Jesus. And when they finally got to the church, I was bawling, Carson was bawling, and we just hugged. I mean, i how do you leave your kid? I do not know. I looked at him, I was like, son, I am so sorry. You said you were going with your dad. I changed my mind. Your dad did not tell me. It's Brandon Clark's fault.
1: (laughs) It's pretty much true.
0: (laughs) What we cried, I was like, you are not going to kids' church. You're sitting right beside me. The boy did not leave my side. He was like, you're not going anywhere. Oh, my gosh traumatized. I said, I am the worst mom. I did not get mom of the year, that, year that, that day or any day for a while after. I was like, Carson, what can I buy you? I went, <laughs> remember that story about Carson trying to buy a piece of land on, a, you know, a square foot in our back? I was like, you can have the whole backyard. I'll just give you the deed. I'm, oh my gosh, I was so scarred from it we are not defined by our lowest moments. Even though I felt like it, like the worst mom ever, here I am about to have a baby and I'm leaving the youngest one at home. Oh, it was awful, it was awful. But it didn't make me a bad mom. It didn't, even though, those was my emotions told me it did not make me a bad mom. It was a low moment, but I'm not defined by that. Mary was not defined by that moment of losing Jesus.
1: Now, praise God. We don't, it's not the first thing that pops into our head when we think about Mary, the mother of Jesus. We don't think about, oh, yeah, the lady that left Jesus for three days. We don't, think, we don't think about that. It's very much part of the narrative, and it's very, it's very much uh, part of it. Um, but that is not the truth. We're not defined by those. And so when we're dealing with the low moments, um, man, just just keep going. Don't just stay faithful. Just keep going. God, is, God is faithful. But then on the other side of it, um, there's a place where when you're experiencing a victory, uh, cherish it, cherish it. Moms tend to move from one task to the next task. Uh, they tend to move from one thing to another thing, and and a lot of times, sometimes it's as if you don't even see the victories. It's that a victory actually just feels like a catastrophe avoided, and so and it's like oh nothing went wrong right there. Woo! Let's go to the next thing. No, some, that means everything went right. There's some places where you need to be able to cherish it and to be able to do that. I love that even in that even in that story where Jesus gets left behind, that when all the dust settles, it said that that Mary treasured these things up in her heart. That she found a way to, to find the treasured things in that moment. And I love the fact that Jesus' very first miracle took place at the insistence of his mother. Now, we know and we focus on the last three and a half years of Jesus' life. Jesus lived about 33 and a half, 34 years. And so, but for the first 30 years of his life, um, he was pretty much... Jesus, the son of Joseph, the son of Mary. That's, that's who he was. And she was very active in his life. And in fact, we see them together and connected together um, here at this wedding. And they show up, they show up at, this, at this wedding, been invited. Jesus was social. Jesus went to parties. Jesus went to weddings. He was, in, he was involved. He was there with his mom. And it wasn't embarrassing. Um, he was there and, and hanging out. And they're there at this, at this wedding. Now, you have to understand, okay, that in that culture, weddings went on for days. Um, people, they, were, they were long things. They weren't just a little evening or an afternoon thing. They were a long thing. And hospitality, it was huge in the uh, Jewish culture. Huge, in fact, in the entire Middle East culture. And that it was their responsibility to feed and to give things to drink and to make sure that everybody was cared for during those entire days that they have come to celebrate uh, this wedding. And so Mary is very much in mom mode. So things just don't get past moms. And so as moms step in, man, you know, dads walk up to, you know, some, some food at a party and they just look for what they like. And moms are noticing what's running a little low. Um, hey, sweetheart, you're probably going to need to reload on the dip over here. It's getting a little low. And so and, and they just notice things. They notice if somebody needs to run and, and get another bag of ice. They notice all of these different things. And Mary notices that they're just about out of wine. She notices. And this is going to be a big problem, not just because they're running out because this is going to actually be a social embarrassment to this family. That this is going to be something that is a strong stigma against this family for them not being able to do this hospitality thing and she goes to jesus and she presents the problem to jesus now this is before jesus begins his official ministry and she tells him um hey um they're running out of wine and we see here in verse four a woman why do you involve me now, that response, um, you and I, uh, we say woman to our mom, and we get smacked. Um, it was not as, uh, it's not as uh, rude or crass um, in that space as it feels in our space. Uh, it says, woman, why do you involve me? Uh, Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. It's, it's not time for him to do this. And again, like a mom, um, she just doesn't even reply to him. She just doesn't even acknowledge that Jesus said, my hour has not yet come. In fact, her next words are not even to Jesus. She relies on this place that Jesus is going to honor her, and Jesus is going to roll with her, even though he has clearly said, um, why am I being involved? My hour's not yet come. And his mother <coughs> said to the servant, do whatever he tells you to do. My son is going to handle this. And so... Jesus then begins to respond and says, all right, take the water, fill the jars up with water. They get the biggest jars that are around. They're the ones used for ceremonial cleaning. They hold gallons and gallons and gallons of water. Fill them up to the very brim. He says, okay, now take this ladle, take a scoop of it and take it to the master of the feast and let him have a taste. And somewhere along the route, We don't know where, but by the time it touches the master of the feast's lips, it's wine. And the master of the feast has no idea what's gone on behind the scenes. Most of the wedding guests have no idea what's gone on. And in fact, all of a sudden, the, the script got flipped because it went from being a place of embarrassment to then all of a sudden being a place of incredible honor. And the master of the feast says, most people bring out the best wine at the beginning And after people have well drunk, and it happened at weddings then like it does today, and he says, after everybody is well drunk, then they bring out the cheaper quality wine and nobody notices. That's what the Bible says. And so, but the master of the ceremony says, but uh, you've saved the best for last. That all of a sudden now, this place that was this thing that was about to be this major problem for this family ends up being this place where it's actually a place of honor. And this thing begins to happen, and not everybody knows about it that's there. They have no idea that they are drinking miracle wine. They're just at the party. But then the Scriptures go on to say in verse 12, it says, After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother, and brothers and his disciples, and they stayed for a few days. Has his first miracle, sits there, and then the next thing we see them is just resting and spending time together, and just being able to be and share in that moment together. Mom, there's some times that you're just gonna have to just pause the laundry, pause the dishes, pause the stuff, and just sit. Just sit for a little while. Sit with the kids. You you know the laundry is going to come around again. You know. You know the meals are going to come around again. You know those things are going to come around again. Just sit and enjoy. Just cherish the victories that come along. That's what Jesus and his mom did.
0: And to the moms who are experiencing heartbreak, we we all go through it. We all have it. There's not one of us who haven't experienced it. One day God will mend your broken heart. One of the things that I uh, had to learn the hard way after going through something that was extremely hard to go through and broke my heart multiple times was I missed the part where God's heart was broken with mine. And I was mad at him. And he's, he's a big God and he can take it. But I needed to put blame somewhere, and so it was him who got it, and I missed the part where his heart was broken for me and with me, and I didn't experience that till later on. And you can't go through something and allow yourself to be healed completely by God if you don't. Allow yourself to walk through it with him. And he cares for you. And he walks through those things with you. And he wants to be with you in every step of that moment. But if you miss that part that he is feeling every bit of it with you, you You miss big things. You miss big things. And I missed big things. And I had to go back around. And I had to allow him to walk me through some things that I think that would have been a lot shorter path had I allowed myself to feel what he was feeling with me the first time. You see, Jesus cared about what his death meant for his mom. In John 19, 25 through 27, it says, "'Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing near, he said to her, "Woman." here is your son, and to the disciple, here is your mother. For that, from that time on, this disciple took her into his home. If you think your life is too busy and what you're doing is too important to care for your mom, Jesus was in the middle of dying for the sins of humanity, and he made sure his mom was cared for.
1: It really is a beautiful thing that in the middle of Mary's heartbreak. You remember when she said, it unto me according to your words, she thought she was saying yes to birthing an earthly king. She didn't get about king of kings and Lord of lords. She had not put together all of the prophetic stuff that said that Jesus was going to have to suffer and and Messiah was going to have to to die and and those things. She saw it the way that the rest of the Jewish community at Jesus' time saw it, that that there was going to be a a king like David that was going to come in and establish an, an earthly kingdom again and reestablish Israel, and she thought she was saying yes to that, and as there as she is seeing her son, the promise she knows is a miracle, being crucified. She is heartbroken on multiple levels. And Jesus, as he is carrying the weight of the sin of the world, sits there and so lovingly and carefully cares for his mama and says right here. Now, Jesus had brothers. There were people who would step up, but Jesus gave a spiritual assignment for John, the apostle John, to care for his mom. And it says from that day forward, she connected with John, and John took care of her. And in fact, this is where the, the this narrative in the scripture, it kind of ends right here. We don't get a lot of scripture about how this all went, but Christian history says um, that that's exactly how those things played out. In fact, the apostle John, um, he's the first one to carry the, the good news to Ephesus. Um, we know Paul writes the book of Ephesians, but John had actually gone there and established the first Christian community. And then Paul kind of took over its care. And then after Paul is killed by the Roman government, um, John takes back over, and he's kind of the pastor there. And if you go to Ephesus today, whether or not this is the truth or not, we don't know, but the Christian history and Christian tradition says so, um, that there's this little stone home um, that is attributed that, it, that, that, that was Mary's house, and it was the little house she lived in while John lived in a house very nearby. In fact, the Isle of Patmos, where John li- lived the remainder of his days, in exile is right there close to Ephesus. And so we just see this place that that not only did did she have a a, a mended heart, but she was an active, vibrant part of the early church. She's there helping to care for and, and lead a gentile congregation. She's there in Ephesus and she's making a difference. And we see that sure enough, even out of her heartbreak something beautiful, a ministry came up out of there psalms 34 verse 18 says the lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those whose spirit are crushed i know that sometimes a heart can break so hard that the crash of it is so loud it just kind of pushes everything else out but this promise is so true that he is close to those who are brokenhearted. And if you're brokenhearted this morning, you're like, I don't feel close to God. I'm telling you, the broken heart can sometimes just scream so loud. And if you will just lean into him, I promise you, he is right there. And he will help that broken heart mend and he will help you be able to move forward and to be able to find uh, hope and strength again. And
0: Psalms 147.3 says, he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. We can all take away this truth. The bottom line is don't quit mid-script. Jesus came to flip the script on absolutely everything.
1: He did. And so in that, we want to create a moment right here and now. That if you're here and you're ready to embrace that truth, that God isn't angry, he didn't send his son to condemn the world, but to save the world through him, to save you through Jesus. And you're ready to place your faith in that, not in your ability to do some sort of religious activity or even a religious moment right now, but in what Jesus accomplished for you all the time ago. If you're ready to place your faith in that, if you just create a quiet moment, if you just lift your hand and you're ready to say, yes, Brandon, I wanna place my faith in Jesus this morning. Praise God. Praise God, praise God. Thank you, Lord. Believers, if you'll just lift your voice with these, we're gonna pray together. I'm gonna loan you some words. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving me so much that you sent Jesus. And Jesus' death, it covers my death. And Jesus' life, it gives me life. Today, I'm your child, and you're my father. Heaven's my home, and I give you permission to change me from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.